Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week is a bit of a last minute episode and inspired by a visit from my friend Haley. She just came to visit us after our move and there were some things that happened while she was here that inspired this episode. So we're just gonna jump right on in here and get started. have Haley again and she was actually here recently visiting so that was kind of fun and it actually spurred our conversation today yes (laughs) so yeah and I think there were events that (laughs) fold into what we could talk about yes we can which I didn't even add that to my list of stuff to talk about but I feel like it applies certainly could yeah well, I wanted to start with the, f- the first thing that we originally talked about. Yeah. Which was kind of the aspect of like people pleasing. Yes. And kind of discerning if that's a learned trait from like wanting to please doctors. Mm. And if that's like we train ourselves to people please through that and it starts applying to other aspects of our life. Yeah. Or yeah. if that's just something that's already innately there and it's made worse by wanting to please doctors and part of that is you know I mean we want good numbers so that we don't Mm. need anything from the doctors yeah why we want to please them we want them to say oh your numbers are good there's nothing wrong with your kidney you know you don't need medication Mm -hmm. x y and z or whatever Well, and I'm thinking about you and your story in particular with that question and like those lengthy hospital stays and like doing everything that you could to get out of there. Yeah. And that that definitely in your case could be learned and kind of generalized, you know, knowing that that became a strength for you that like this is something I can do that can get me into a better position and maybe just kind of generalizing that. The other thing that I'm thinking is like when there's trauma happening to your body, in your body, we go through kind of, we talk about fight or flight a lot, but there's obviously freeze in there. And one that we don't talk about so often is called fawn. And so this is using like people pleasing to try Mm. to protect yourself. So if I could do like a little trigger warning here the way that like it was kind of most commonly seen and explained trigger warning for rape women who are sexually assaulted they can use this like fawn response in order to get their perpetrator to either not assault them any further or to get through the event, right? So if they like start like flirting with their perpetrator, that they can then kind of convince them they can use kind of that people pleasing power as a way to escape. Hmm. I've never heard of that. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. But 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know for me, at least the fawn response, that's how I think about my people pleasing when I'm like really uncomfortable in a situation, something that can make me feel safe is kind of winning over the, what's the word, not necessarily like the affection, but just winning over like the likability for my traumas that I've been through that definitely protected me. If I can make you like me, then you're less likely to be a threat. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And so, I mean, it becomes more of an issue, I think, for those of us that have medical problems and we're Mm -hmm. in that people pleasing state and we don't do things or speak up for ourselves Mm -hmm. in situations where we should. So like an easy, I mean, you know, not very big example would be like when you were here and we were out drinking wine and we met up with Aaron and Mm -hmm. we were, you know, shopping for his birthday and I had to pee really bad and I didn't say anything. Yeah. I waited until we were at a place that had a bathroom before I said, I'm going to go use the restroom instead of, Hey guys, let's go find a restroom. Right. Right. Or asking an associate at Riptide, like, do you guys have a restroom? Maybe, you know, to even go so far as to say, which I think that you would be totally entitled to say this, like I have a medical condition, even if like, this isn't a customer restroom, I I really need to use your restroom or then if they're still being jerks about it. Yeah. To like say, tell to, to tell us like, okay, we need to leave. We can come back. They can hold the stuff behind the counter. I need to go find a restroom. Right. And then, I mean, for, for those who are thinking, well, that's not that big of a deal. It's like for, for those of us with any type of urinary tract issues, Mm -hmm. like having a full bladder and not using the bathroom can back up through the ureters and then back into the kidneys causing Mm a giant UTI. So those, Mm -hmm. I mean, small things can be a problem exponentially if we don't take care of it. That's right. where people pleasing can be a problem. Yes. Where we're not taking care of ourselves. Yes. Yes. And I, you know, okay. So as like a therapist who does trauma work and like goes deep with emotion, I guess the first thing that came up for me was kind of wondering maybe how shame plays into it all of like not wanting this to be a problem and kind of like turning yeah turning the inconvenience inward and kind of shutting yourself down through that. You're nodding to that. That seems like that might resonate with you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where I thought about it and, you know, I mean, one of the first things that people can do to break the cycle, this is, was just me brainstorming this morning Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. that just surrounding yourself with people who understand that you have medical problems and are sympathetic or empathetic Mm -hmm. and, that you feel comfortable with saying, Hey, I have to use the bathroom. And you know, you're one of the people that I am comfortable with. So why didn't I say something? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of what I was thinking about this morning. So what you're saying, yes, is resonating Resonating. from that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the hardest motions, emotions for us to name that we're feeling because the nature of it, it wants to hide. And that's why it can be, shame can be so toxic. Is that like in your head, you're like, yes, I feel safe with these people. But in your body, like there was like embarrassment that maybe kind of snowballed into shame about it. And so you kept quiet and there was just like this dissonance between like your head and your heart. Yeah, definitely. And 
that really was my second question that I had written down. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Literally my second question was obviously like, you know, about my bladder atrophy and we're very comfortable with each other. So and you know I have to pee every five seconds. So the fact that I, I <laughs> it's not quite that. <laughs> to be honest with you, Becky, like that day, like I really was thinking, I was like, oh, there's not a lot of like restrooms around. And like, I was surprised by like how infrequently you were actually going to the restroom. Like it yeah. wasn't five seconds. And I, I don't know why I didn't say anything, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons why I didn't want to say something and why I felt a little bit ashamed was that like I had just gone at at the winery that we were at. But I feel like you had it. I feel like it'd been a while. That's what I mean. Like I was like yeah. thinking, I was like, she's only gone to the bathroom like twice. Like I, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's why. And then so yeah, my question was like, why didn't I feel comfortable just saying something? But I think you already Hey, the nail on the head there with, with well, talking back to your that. original point too. Like these, our strengths can become our weaknesses if we're not self-aware of them. Yeah. So, I mean, just even having this conversation, I feel like can help you to create kind of a, a pathway between the head and the heart dissonance of like what you feel in your body versus what, you know, Aaron and Haley are safe. I can talk to them, which, and the reason I'm pointing that out is because I feel like that is something that can help anyone else who's listening. Who's like, Oh my gosh, yeah, I do relate to this. Well, now I, now that I've named it, now that I'm talking to the person about it, we're both going to be more attuned to the likelihood that that could happen and check in with you. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I guess my big question at the end here was how how do we work to break this cycle? Yeah, well, see, I just like naturally predict your next question and just go right into it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the biggest thing, gosh, it's Brene Brown who talks a lot about shame. And I'm thinking she kind of talks about like it can grow in a petri dish of silence, isolation. And there's a third factor in there, but I think those, you kind of get the point of like, it will grow if you don't talk about it, it will grow if like you hide it from everyone else. And so I do think that like, just even naming it. And if it feels better to say like embarrassed, just cause I know like shame can be a really hard feeling for us to say out loud. It's a strong emotion. Yes. It's so powerful. It really is. And so just to have a conversation with someone and be like, you know, I'm noticing that like, I kind of inconvenience myself because I'm embarrassed of this condition and I'm embarrassed of the things that I need. You know, I'm also thinking just having, this is, this is a side point. I'll go back, but I wanted to be able to say this of like, just this podcast and having these conversations out there. It's so important for people who don't have these things to, or these struggles to listen because a hidden disability like that is, it's already hard to have like a visible disability, but like, those are the things that like we make accommodations for, we make ramps and larger bathrooms and you can bring a seeing eye dog in and, you know, those, those types of things. But for a hidden disability and rare disabilities, like who's going to advocate for you other than you. Right. Or you have a conversation with someone who is like, like Aaron, like kind of closely tuned in and can say things for you or on behalf of you. And so I, I feel like 
I'm kind of answering like kind of twofold here on a broad level of like one, having your person who knows, all right, especially for you, Becky, because like your, your strength is so like independent, like that is a strength for you to know, like, I, yeah, I seem like I'm fine, but like every now and then, like if I'm doing a little dance, like <laughs> I need you to check in with me because I'm yeah. probably like ignoring it with it myself. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, like for other people to just like listen and think a little bit more compassionately about someone who you don't know, like they, they might not obviously have extra needs, but just to know for yourself, like if, if you can do something, if someone does speak up to recognize like, okay, that probably took a lot for them and I'm not going to make this seem awkward for them. Like what can you do on the other side to not ask questions of like, yeah, not ask any invasive questions to just, you know, if you don't know the answer, if you don't know that like the service that they need is available to just be kind and say, hold on while I talk to my manager, like I'm, we'll get this figured out for you. I think that that can go a long way. And the reason that I'm saying that is because I don't think that when we have needs, we should always have to be in charge of making that happen. Like I think as a, you know, society, we need to like coordinate better on making ourselves available to other people if and when we can, because it's a lot to carry to have the discomfort in your body to, you know, have the doctor's appointments and all the things organized, but then to also have to advocate for yourself and then maybe even advocate like a little bit harder if someone's being rude about it. Like that's just too much. That's too much. Yeah. And I like that you're using the word advocate because it kind of does circle around back to Mm -hmm. that and like learning that you do kind of have to not just people please, but like you really do have to learn how to advocate for yourself in those smaller situations. Mm -hmm. It's not medical, but like I would consider my PTSD to be something that I've had to learn to advocate for because if I'm triggered or if I get flooded and I'm overwhelmed, I need to excuse myself from a social situation. Otherwise, like I I have been around groups of people who are like super insensitive and they're like, oh, why is Haley shutting down? Why is she acting weird? Like I have to know for myself, like if I'm at like a restaurant and I'm just for some reason getting overwhelmed and my body's like pumping with adrenaline, I need to just say like, okay, I'm just going to take a walk around the block really quickly. And like, just depending on who you're around that could be like, all right, girl, go, go do your thing. Like, we don't need to bring like any further attention to that unless you want me to walk with you. Do you want to talk it out? But to not like, yeah, return to the table and have people be like, oh, that was weird. Why did you need to go take a walk? Like, I guess I'm speaking to, again, the importance of like, advocating for yourself to be like, this is a real thing. Cause now you're the jerk. <laughs> if I tell you I have PTSD and you're like, oh, that's still weird. Like, come on. That's, you know, so advocating for yourself to like own that, like, no, it's not weird. It's just a need that I have. And to like, also be a kind human being and don't make people feel weird just because you don't understand their disability. Yeah. They talk in circles there. Did that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. I think you ended there on a good spot with just making sure you're not making other people feel weird about their own needs. Yes. Like, you don't understand it. Doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to them. Right. People have different needs. People have different problems. 
<laughs> because it's not something that you have or understand doesn't mean it's not what they need. Right. And just don't make them feel weird about it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cause I'm so good. I think at the people pleasing too, like you're talking about of like seeming just fine until I'm suddenly not. Yeah. And so mine is going to manifest differently. Mine's going to manifest as like an emotional breakdown in public. Yours is going to show up as like, no, now I need to go to the bathroom. We have to find yeah. one now. Physically right? shaking, like, <laughs> um, I'm going to explode. Yes. <laughs> or yeah, or getting a UTI. Like that, yeah. that can be kind of the curse part of the gift of being independent and pushing yourself. Yeah. To get those numbers in the hospital so that you can get out of the hospital. Me, it was like, you know, being able to seem fine was a tactic that I used to go on to have greater achievements. Right. But that also like the more I ignore my PTSD, the more likely that it like, yes, yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so again, I feel like I'm talking in circles, but like, I just think the biggest thing to break the cycle is to, is to name first to yourself, what you're feeling that's getting in the way of you being able to advocate for yourself. And then next telling someone who, if you have someone to then do the advocating for you, if that feels more comfortable or yeah, to have to tell, you know, the clerk at the store, right. Yeah. That you've named the feeling to yourself. It, it cools off. It goes down yeah. to have conversations outside with your close people of like, Oh, I'm noticing this is a thing for me. I do like to be independent. I do like to please people. It, I think it's a strength of mine. It's helped me a lot, but it also sometimes gets in my way. Can you, can you help me track that? And over time, when you're aware of it, you will be able to better balance keeping it as a strength and not having it become a weakness or something that gets in your way. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said you wanted to kind of talk about the other part of our week yeah. together. Did you have something in mind? Well, I was just thinking about like how it shaped how we handled that incident. And like, you know, for me, I got, well, okay. So I'll, I'll tell. I think also listeners. it shaped kind of our different experiences and different histories also kind of shaped our reactions to the doctors that we saw too. Yes. We both yeah. had different reactions to yeah. them talking to us. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you can start with. So I don't know, luckily or unluckily, I feel like it was luckily that I was driving a rental car, just like a tiny Nissan. And we were just like downtown Santa Cruz. So just like a city road, not a highway, not like a fast moving lane or anything. And there was a red light. And so we stopped at it and I, it was like so strange. I saw it like all in slow motion as it was coming up, but I kind of looked up in my rear view mirror and there's this semi truck about 20 feet behind us and it's getting like 10 feet behind us. And I'm like, oh my God, it's not going to stop. It's not slowing down. It's not going to stop. And I was just that fight, flight, freeze response took over. And I was just frozen. Like I could hear this narration in my head. Like you need to move the car, Haley. Then I was like, I can't, it's a red light. Like, and I just like, I was like, fuck, it's going to happen. I even think I had the thought Becky doesn't know it's about to happen. Cause I couldn't speak. I was so frozen. And then, yeah, this, it was a semi truck. It rear ended us probably going, you know, five, eight miles an hour on its end. I didn't know this until Becky told me afterwards, but we were pushed through the intersection, which means we got very lucky. We did not get hit 
by another car when we were pushed through the intersection. And the thing is we were at a red light next to the bus depot. So we were very lucky there wasn't a freaking bus in the middle of the intersection or turning or something. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, if we then hit a bus or a bus hit us when we got pushed into the, oh my God, that would have been so bad. Oh, that's and what so, that red light is for. It's specifically for buses to turn into the bus station. Oh my God. Oh my God. That could have been so bad, Becky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so if anyone's wondering, I'll go ahead and answer. Like, we are fine. Like, we, like, I got a bruise on the back of my head when my head went forward and then hit the headrest. Oh, you yeah. Tell me yeah, that. I didn't tell you that. Yeah, I, I realized it when I was in the car with Aaron. So I must have only told Aaron oh and then Mike can see it. It's like, yeah, it's a little swollen and like you have a bruise back here. And, but other than that, like, we, we have tight necks, different, like sore muscles from where the seatbelt locked up, held on us. And this is what I was going to say too. Like I, I had like this growing concern for your bladder because of where the seatbelt was locked across your abdomen that I was like, Oh my God, is she okay? And then on my flight home, I was listening to your episode with Aaron and I was like, Okay, I'm checking in with her. Like, if it still hurts, she's going to the doctor. I'm going to yeah. make her go to the doctor because that that really scared me for you. But other than that, we're we're totally fine. I would say on the topic of people pleasing, that definitely kicked in. And I'm still very angry at the driver. He just, he was smiling when he got out of the truck. He's like, here's my insurance information. And like, I actually had some rage. Like I was yelling at him and he just was like, oh, like all smiling. Like, oops, didn't see you there. You're in a truck. You everything. And like, and then he tries to tell me, oh, I didn't have any room to stop. Well, A, that's your problem for not going slow enough. B, yeah. what were you going to do? Run the red light yourself then? And yeah. Like, C, like, yes, he did. I saw he just wasn't paying attention. Wasn't paying attention, yeah. And so as I'm just kind of sorting through the event and getting us back on topic, I'm just even noticing for myself, like that rage is still there. And it it's there because it's such a transition feeling for me from like normally being a people pleaser. This is rare for me to actually like feel this anger. And so it's like still working its way through me. And then to get to the hospital, why don't you share your experience first of the doctor? Well, so we decided just because again, it was a rental car and we wanted to have all of our ducks in a row for you insurance wise and mm-hmm. just make sure that, you know, we had our asses covered. Basically yep. we went to we were hit hard too. Like we could have had injuries that we didn't know of yet. Yeah. We were hit pretty hard, but we went to an urgent care to get checked out and Originally, we were given like separate rooms Mm -hmm. and then they realized that we were in a car accident together. So they put us in the same room for a little while, which is just Um, like a difference there before we even put in the same room. I just had a nurse practitioner that sat down with me and was basically like, we don't have like the facilities. We're not equipped for like this degree of like an accident. So you guys are going to need to go to the emergency room. And they let Becky go too, but Becky got a neck brace and I didn't get a neck brace. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we needed one, but I noticed that difference right away. Yeah, I did too. And it, 
yeah, the nurse practitioner that I got checked out my neck and was like, oh, I don't like that. Cause like my muscles were all sore and she like, yeah, I, I didn't even have my neck touched. Yeah. She, as soon as, yeah. I mean, as soon as I said like my neck sore and you know, we definitely, I mean, we were hit hard enough where we were thrown forward and backwards, you know, I mean, classic whiplash. Yeah. My nurse immediately like had me move my hair so she could see my neck and feel it and stuff. And she got me a neck brace. And then, but yeah, it was kind of the same thing of like, we don't, we're not equipped for this. We're going to let you guys go. And you got to go to the, the ER across town an ER across freaking town. And but when an ER, I was like, do we really, is it that bad that we need to be at an ER? And like, yeah. I didn't speak up for myself. I didn't say anything. I was just like, okay, I guess we're going to the ER now. And like, yeah, well, and I didn't even ask like, well, can you, can you touch? Can you see? Like, I didn't even yeah. think to well, ask that. So I was telling my nurse when she was walking me out, I told her, I was like, well, her neck hurts more than mine. Because yours had been hurting more yeah. than mine. I'm in a neck brace. Then Christ, you need a neck brace because yeah. you're hurting more than me and you were driving and all this stuff. And But yeah, it was the same thing. They were going to let us go. And I didn't even question it or think about it, but just thought like, is it really that bad yeah. that we need to go someplace else to get checked out? Yeah. And I'm just imagining with all of your experience at hospitals, how unsettling that I must have been for you. Go. I didn't either. <laughs> well, and the thing is we were both in shock still. Yeah. Yes. No, but I mean, we're both in shock and we're just getting pushed around, you know, and I didn't want to go because I've been to that ER a lot as a kid and I never really had any good experiences. Okay. So I knew I didn't want to go, but they brought us back in. Yep. And had the doc had two different doctors come in and sit with us. And this is when we were put in the same room together. Yep. Why don't you tell how you felt about that conversation? Because I noticed that we felt differently about this one. Yeah. So, yeah, there was and just to separate, just to like kind of give us some orientation. There was a male doctor and a female doctor. Not that that matters, but I'll use gender. So Becky had the female doctor. And I don't think you said she was asking you any of the questions that my doctor was asking me as he was like touching different parts of my spine. It was kind of funny. It's like I felt like. I was, I was just kind of giving yes or no, but then you almost like elaborated perfectly to the question that he was asking. I think you were just describing things to your doctor. And then I was like saying, like, I was like echoing you. I was like, she's like the little voice in my head. That's like speaking up for me. I'm like, yes, that, that what she said there. Yes. It feels like my throat is closing in too. Like, and it, it was weird. Cause yeah, she wasn't asking you any questions. He was asking me questions. I was responding to him, but when I echoed you, he wasn't responding to that. So I was like, I don't know how much clear communication is actually happening here. And then they went away for a while. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that kind of irritated me was like when we did say like, yeah, I feel like my throat's closing up. Yeah. She was like, oh, well, that's from the neck brace, putting that on and claustrophobic. It's like, no, my throat was no, closing no. up. Before I we didn't hear her say that. Here. I would have been like, no. Well, just, actually, people pleaser me would have been like, oh, OK, yeah, that makes sense. No, I said no. I was like, I felt it in the waiting room before we saw anyone. I felt it on the car right here. Like this has been here since the accident. It is not since the neck brace. And he just like didn't even respond to it. (sighs) That's why when we got home, I was like, I feel like they just kind of like discounted everything that we said. 
I mean, clearly yeah. we're fine, but I mean, right. I right. didn't appreciate them waving it off. Yeah. That when we were telling them one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't know what happened when you then, cause then they separated us again and gave us the same doctors that we had before when they put us together, he gave me a whole re-examination where he was like touching different parts and like making sure like that, like certain parts weren't hurting because that could indicate like a spinal fracture. And then he made sure I could walk straight. He asked me to like stand up and close my eyes and make sure I wasn't falling over. Didn't do any of that with I me. think he checked me for a concussion because he was having me like follow his finger, like and like look straight ahead and like move the light around. Like yeah, yeah. He gave me like a full eye exam. He checked my ears. Yeah. Okay. I got like a much more thorough exam. Got a much more thorough exam than I did. Yeah. She literally, all she had me do was like with, with the arms. Yeah. To like press up, you know, yeah, she had me do that stuff too. Like, can you give my hands a good squeeze? Yeah. That's all it was. That's all she did with me. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. He checked my legs. He had like put, he put pressure on my knee and said, okay, lift your leg up. Like, oh, Becky. Oh. Yeah, that was all she did. And then she just like went on to explain like, well, you're young and you're healthy and you're not taking any of the marks that would make us want to call an ambulance and take you to ER. So we're going to let you go. And it was like, you don't know that I'm healthy. You don't have my chart in front of you. That is so true, Becky. That is so true. You never just assume because someone looks young that they all of a sudden are just healthy. Right. Because again, to the point of like a hidden disability, like you're like, no, no, I'm not actually. No. It's like, can you, she didn't even ask me if I was hurting anywhere. I had to bring up, okay, well, can you explain to me why I hurt in front of this kidney? Because remember I was having the pain kind of in that. Yeah, well, that's, and that's why I was like worried about you for the, for the last couple of days yeah. before you were like, no, my abdomen's fine now. I was like, okay. Yeah. But my, that entire first day, my abdomen was hurting and it, I felt it like as soon as we were, we were hit, like the sea felt crossed right there. And it's, it hurt right after that the entire yeah. day. And so when I was talking to her and I asked, I was like, okay, well, can you explain why my abdomen hurts right here? And she was like, oh, it's probably from the seatbelt. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought too. But I have a lot of bladder problems. And she just was like, oh, really? I was like, yes, I was born with bladder atrophy. And I really you just told wanted- her that. I did. And all she did was like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. Okay. Wow. I had- that was it. Go, first of all, way to go to advocate for yourself and just say all that. And I am pissed at her for just making an assumption. That's why I was like, yeah, she just like was very dismissive of the entire thing. Even when we said we were hit by a semi-truck, she was like, well, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Like, you showed her the picture and she was like, oh, it's a small semi-truck. Like, what? It doesn't matter. A giant car smashed into our car. I mean, the force and the weight of that alone. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't appreciate being discounted though, like on having pain in that area and then sharing like, Hey, no, I actually grew up with medical problems Yeah, in this area. And she was just like, no, it's fine. 
to at least say, yeah, you might want to make an appointment then with your primary care physician to get that checked out. But like, I feel like all that she was thinking was like, it's 5 p.m. I'm I'm just going to get out of here. Like, because because that's why we weren't seen by the doctors in the first place. He actually explained it to me. He was like, yeah. you know, at some point when we get a flow after 4 p.m., like we kind of hand it over to the nurse practitioners because we need to be able to wrap up. But then when we saw you guys, one of you in the hallway with a neck brace, we were like, whoa, no, we need to check them out. And so I, yeah, I guess I got a little bit more lucky with the provider that was less concerned with just like ending his day and getting out of there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me, that makes me feel really angry for you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense as to why we had different reactions then. Cause he was much more thorough with you. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. And, it, but I mean, like too, like I was like talking to Mike and Mike kind of drew my attention to it. Like afterwards, Mike is my husband. So I was talking to him and he was like, okay, so like, what'd you get checked for? And I was like, um, like, I think it's like spinal fractures. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I guess, like, I guess I don't know what we got checked for, but we were told we're fine. And like that definitely rang alarm bells in my mind that I was like, whoa. I mean, to the point of this episode, my people pleasing is working as a weakness in that situation because I don't know what I got checked for and I didn't ask. Yeah. And I think that's something that we both could have said too, because yeah, she said the same thing of like, they're checking for spinal fractures. And I was like, look, I know I don't have a freaking spinal fracture. Like I would definitely be in pain and we would know Yes, our muscles are inflamed and angry. Is there anything that you can do about that? Like besides icing? Yeah. Cause he just told me like, to make sure that like, if I got numb or if I got nerve pain in my extremities, then we needed to get to an ER for a CT scan. Yeah. But yeah. I got no advice around like, okay, your muscles aren't fully, you know, they're just inflamed right now. They're not, you're not succumbing to like, cause I probably still have adrenaline. Like I was not yeah. Yeah. aware of the full extent of my injuries at that point, but yeah. Like I, I just knew that I didn't ask about that though. Yeah. Like he didn't give me any advice around yeah. like ice or anything like that. I mean, I know I had her, well, I mean, I asked her about my abdomen, but I mean, we didn't even ask for them to actually look at the muscles that were hurting. Yeah. I was surprised when I woke up and like, I was my right upper rib cage was hurting really bad. And like, that's where the seatbelt crossed me. And like, it was hurting so bad. Like by Thursday night, I was like, this is where Mike and I kind of got into like a little bit of a tiff around well, what did you get checked for? Cause I was like, what if, what if I have a fractured rib? Like it's probably just sore tendons in between the rib yeah. bones, but like, you know, my anxiety can really bring me to some dark places. And so I was like, what if I have a punctured lung? What if I have a collapsed lung? <laughs> Definitely don't. <laughs> I was like, well, what did you get checked for? And I was like, spinal fractures I don't know they said I was fine and that's where I feel like what I think what I'm circling back to is I would have appreciated something around like you're gonna be sore for the next couple of days and unless it's like this this or this it's just muscle soreness and all you can really do is pain relievers and ice and it'll go away over a few days like I would have appreciated more education around what to expect for the next couple of days rather than this is the worst case scenario. If you go numb in your hands, go to an ER. Like, okay, well, what about the medium case scenarios? What can we do? Yes. 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 Man. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to tie that in more with our people pleasing topic that we've been talking. Well, I think it ties like, right. That's why I thought about it. Is like, it ties right in because it like that we were in a people pleasing mode the entire time, or you were fighting it a little bit more by advocating for yourself. And I was just full on in it. I didn't think about these questions until after I left. Oh yeah. She really discounted a lot. I forgot too. She was, she was going over like what type of pain medications to take, but she looked at my chart and like, I've been there before. So it was notated that I can't take certain types of pain medication because uh-huh. I have a precaution on my kidneys for it. I can only take okay. certain kinds. And she was like, Oh yeah, what's this for? And I was like, well, it's related to the bladder extrophy. Like I got diagnosed with stage one kidney disease like 10 years ago and had a scare like potentially for stage three in April. And like, I can't take certain types of pain medication because it goes through the kidneys instead of the liver. Mm-hmm. So I have to take medication that goes through the liver. And even then, knowing- Did she tell you it's okay to take the other- Oh my, does she even know what bladder extrophy is? I am I so irritated so. with her. Oh my God. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, and she should at least know what kidney disease is then. Like, yeah. Even after that, she was just like, yeah, okay, you're fine. And I just let it go at that point. Yeah. And that's different. I feel like Becky, like that's different from people pleasing and understanding that you're with an incompetent provider. I I hesitate on the word incompetent because I mean, there's probably a less harsh word, but like you you are wasting energy at that point. Like you've gotten so many signals that she doesn't know what she's talking about and she's not equipped to help you that like advocating any further, I'm not sure where that would have gotten you, unfortunately. And I feel like that's important like for listeners to know that too, that like there is a point like, where I think it's necessary to advocate for yourself and to wrestle with that people pleaser and to to still try to advocate for yourself. But that at some point you're going to make yourself go mad if you keep trying and the provider is just resistant. You're just, you're going to feel like you're hitting a brick wall at that point. If the symptoms I feel like continue to persist, you need to go to a provider that's that you're maybe more, hopefully more familiar with. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Okay. Well, do you have any other thoughts on the topic that we haven't really touched on? I I think we kind of, I think we touched on everything that I wanted to be able to say on the topic and yeah, just as always that I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. I feel like it's really important and I'm always happy to come back. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be back for another episode at some point. <laughs> I always have like these random thoughts and like, Haley, Oh, <laughs> we've got to talk about this. <laughs> Resident therapist. Yeah. Built in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on again. Of course. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts at. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button as well. You can also become a patron on patreon.com. If you would like to share your story or know someone who does, I can be contacted through my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com or on social media. Thanks for listening.